This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network. Visit us at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. You've been down to the bottom with a bad man, babe, but you're back where you belong. Go get me my pistol, babe. Honey, I can't tell right from wrong. This is Pod Dylan that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan one song at a time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining us this week to talk about Baby Stop Crying from Street Legal. Yeah, you know, I love Street Legal is fellow Bobcat, Rodri Evans. Hi, Rodri. How you doing? Hi, uh, good afternoon or good evening as it is here. <laughs> it is, yeah, I should mention, uh, you are speaking to us from Botswana. Uh, I which am indeed. I, absolutely yep. amazing. Uh, you are definitely our first guest to be in Botswana while we're recording. So this is fantastic. And I'm reasonably sure you are our first astrophysicist. I mean, not everybody tells me what they do for their jobs on this show, but I, I'm pretty sure you're the first one. So this is a real twofer. I actually describe myself to uh, lay people more as an astronomer because astrophysicist sounds really scary. So I say I'm an astronomer. <laughs> fair yes, enough, an fair astronomer. enough. Sounds really cool to me. Um, can you don't mind before we get to our intro questions, how you became a fan, all the usual stuff. Can I just ask, how does one find their way to, to Botswana as an astrophysicist? Okay, well, um, I've, uh, I did my PhD, uh, back in the late eighties, early nineties. Actually then spent nine years working in the United States, including six at the University of Chicago. Went back to working at, uh, Cardiff University in Wales. And then in 2016, I got the chance to visit Namibia, which is in Southwest Africa for a couple of weeks to see if we could, um, set up collaborations between Cardiff University and the University of Namibia. And to cut a long story short, I got offered a job there. So I spent five years working uh, in Namibia. And then about halfway through my five-year contract there, I got offered a job next door in Botswana. So I've been here for uh, 10 months. And it turns out that this is going to become the epicenter of a very important project in astronomy called the Square Kilometre Array. So there are going to be literally hundreds of radio dishes distributed throughout uh, Southern Africa, including Botswana, Namibia, uh, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Zambia. And um, Botswana itself is going to host, I think, 120 of these radio dishes. So over the next 15 years or so, this um, huge array of radio telescopes is going to be built in this part of the part of the world. So it's going to become kind of the epicenter for uh, a certain part of astronomy. Wow. Can you explain for us, you know, Luddites here, what, why, why, why Botswana? Why is that the place to do this? Um, well, Bot- Botswana itself, uh, it's about the size of Texas or, or France, if you're uh, more familiar with, uh, with Europe for our European listeners. Uh, but it only has a population of just over 2 million people. So it's incredibly sparsely populated. So it's very, very dark. Uh, you only have to go, uh, you know, a few tens of miles outside of any one of the towns and you can see the the, the sky incredibly well, just like mm. you can say in the western parts of the United States. Um, most of uh, Botswana is at a, a, an altitude of about, uh, let me work this out, it's about a, a uh, a thousand meters. So what's that? About, uh, 1600 feet. So it's a high plateau. 
so that helps you because you're uh, uh, you know you're not at sea level so you're above uh, a little bit uh, of the of the earth's atmosphere and um, because of the very low uh, population density uh, there's not much radio interference so it's radio telescopes because unfortunately you know radio telescopes in populated parts of the world have to deal with all of our mobile phone signal communications and all the radio stations and tv stations uh, so yes it's it's um it's it's going to become over the next 10 15 years um, the epicenter of a particular type of astronomy radio astronomy that's absolutely amazing i had no idea um you you mentioned yeah. off air something about how uh, africa in general botswana specifically but africa kind of in general in some places like skipped all the build up to kind of smartphones and connectivity and they just jumped right to you know, having this level of connectivity. And I would imagine that must seem a little bit like magic almost to go from, you know, yeah, no dial up, none of that. And then all of a sudden, I have to remember the old dial up modem where we went, yeah. you know, from maybe, uh, uh, 28k, um, <laughs> 50, 54k modem and then very slowly, uh, you know, got broadband maybe in the early 2000s, late 1990s. Well, Africa seems to have skipped all of that and just went straight from essentially nothing. Uh, in most African countries, I would imagine, to everyone having a smartphone. And I mean, you 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 uh, walk or drive around any African country these days, and everyone's got a got a smartphone. So uh, you know, the, the, it's it's incredible the level of connectivity that's just come about in the last ten or so years, ten fifteen years in in this part of the world. That is amazing. I'm old enough to remember being on the internet in the '90s, and you know, finding uh, even then I was haunting Dylan fan pages, and there was like, ooh, here's a bootleg of a live recorded song that i've never heard i hope i'm gonna have the next three hours to download it you know it's that kind of thing like tick 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 well that's all right maybe yeah, in the morning you, it'll you, be done you wait for these web pages to load and they take about three four minutes to load when they would just maybe one image <laughs> they'd slowly you know appear on your on your on your screen uh, as the as the as the data came through the modem and yeah everything oh, has, has changed <laughs> now if a web page doesn't load within five seconds i'm like damn it come on like what do you do <laughs> i got things to do uh, well, that that is fantastic. That just sounds so incredibly exciting. How do you like living in Botswana? You know, I mean, did you would you, um, would you stay a, there past your work? Very, yeah, no, it's a it's a very easy country to to live in. It's a beautiful country. I mean, uh, if you come from Europe like I do or, or North America, I mean, the wildlife here is incredible. I think Botswana has more elephants than any other country in. Africa and in, in early March, I was, um, going to a careers fair in a town in the northwest of um, Botswana called Maun. And on the road to Maun, uh, you see elephants grazing by the side of the road. It's wow. Just, <laughs> it's incredible. And then, uh, Maun is like the gateway to the Okavango, Okavango Delta, which is one of the wonders of the world. It's an, it's an inland, uh, delta with the, um, Okavango River just, just stops. It doesn't actually flow to the sea. It just, um, reaches this inland delta and, um, you know, you see giraffes and zebras and all these uh, amazing wildlife that uh, in Europe and North, North America we only see in, in zoos and just to see them in the wild is quite quite incredible. And, and the people are very friendly here. It's a very easy country to, uh, to, to live in. Wonderful. That just sounds fantastic. So, well, before we get to the song and, you know, we all know how much I love street legal. So any street legal song we're going to talk about, super excited. But how did you become a fan of Bob in the first place? Right. So I guess I have um, my main pathway into becoming a Bob Dylan fan was I had become a fan of the Beatles when I was 10 years old. So I was still in um, what in Britain we call primary school. I guess um, you call it elementary school in the U.S. 
And my sister had gone on to high school. She was a couple of years up. She is a couple of years older than me. And she brought home these cassettes of, um, you know, a band, which I later very soon realized were, were the Beatles. So <laughs> I fell in love with the Beatles music when I was, was 10. Uh, the first album I ever owned was the Beatles Red Album, which I got for my 11th birthday. So as I got more into the Beatles and started reading about the Beatles, um, I, the, the name Bob Dylan kept popping up. And in particular, I remember reading about the, um, when the Beatles were making the movie Help and, uh, John Lennon was wearing this cap, which he referred to as a Bob Dylan cap. And, you know, if, if you look at pictures of the Beatles in that period of, I guess, late 64, 65, uh, Lennon is very often wearing this, this cap, which is reminiscent of the, of the cap that Bob Dylan wore on his, uh, debut album. So I, I, the, the name was popping up. And then, um, when I was about 13, there was a list of the greatest albums of all time in a Sunday newspaper in Britain called The Observer. So I saw this list and number one on the list was Sgt. Pepper. Number two was Blonde on Blonde. And by this time, I wasn't familiar with any Bob Dylan music, but again, his name was popping up. So he was number two on the list with Blonde on Blonde. Number three was Revolver and number four was Highway 61 Revisited. <laughs> uh, you know, in the top four, two were Beatles and two were Bob Dylan. So I thought, well, this artist Gotta be worth listening to it. Yes, <laughs> two four. So, and then the following year, 1978. Uh, so, I still hadn't bought any Bob Dylan albums, but the following year, 1978, um, you know, the song we're going to talk about, "Baby Stop Crying," was a, a hit in the UK. And I hadn't remembered. You know, I, I didn't remember what number it had got up to, but you know, thanks to Wikipedia, I looked it up, and it actually got to number 13 mm-hmm. in the UK, which I think by Bob Dylan standards is a pretty high. You know, high achieving hit in the UK. So it was being played a lot on the radio. So that would have been like the summer of 1978. So I was, I was 14. I liked the song. So I just went out and, and, and bought the album as, as I tended to do it back in those days. I hardly ever bought singles. I, if I liked a song, I would go out and buy the album. So I thought, this is a great song. I'm going to buy the album. And uh, just like you, Street Legal is one of my favorite Dylan albums. It's still, I would say in you know, my top six or seven favorite Dylan albums. So I wasn't disappointed at all when I heard the entire album. So Street Legal was your first Dylan yeah. album. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was because, because it, you know, because there was this hit, uh, Baby, Baby Stop Crying that, that, uh, was on the radio. And I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I, I like this. I'm going to go out and, and, and buy the album. So Street Legal was my first Dylan album. And then I think within a month or so, I bought Blonde on Blonde because it had been rated the second best album of all time. And after I got Blonde on Blonde, I then started buying the albums chronologically. So I went back and bought his debut album and so on. Um, bought them all the way through to um, Highway 61 Revisited. I already had Blonde on Blonde. And then for some reason, it was a long time before I bought um, John Wesley Harding, which, of course, was the album after Blonde on Blonde, because I was buying um, the the contemporary Dylan albums that mm-hmm. were coming out after Street Legal. Um, Slow Train Come In was the next album, and I bought that. I loved the song Precious Angel on, on that album. And although I'm not particularly religious, I thought Slow Train Come In was a great album. I loved the, uh, uh, you know, the sound of the, of the songs. And yeah, just kept on buying his albums, um, as, as they were coming out through the early and, and mid eighties. As someone who buys Street Legal, right? That's your first one. And yeah, you're trying to think of like, why don't the rest of them sound like this? <laughs> Like, you know, like if that's the first one, you're thinking, well, that's this guy's sound, right? Like these horns. <laughs> yes. And then you get the rest of it, like, none of these records sound like that. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for me, one of the signature sounds of Street Legal is the sound of the of the women backing vocals, and I guess that kind of carried on into Slow Train Coming. There's a similar mm, yeah. sound. So, so I think musically, even though obviously in terms of the uh, lyrics of the songs, they're, they're very different because Slow Train Coming was was his first Christian album. But I think in terms of the sound of the music. Um, there is there is a relationship between um, street legal and, and slow train coming, but you're absolutely right. I mean, when I finally got round to buying Blood on the Tracks and Desire, I mean, you can't really have three albums: Blood on the Tracks, Desire, and Street Legal that sound more different to each other, <laughs> all sound completely different to each other. But uh, you know, that just shows the the the, the guy's um, um, variety of, of how he can make music. Absolutely. So, have you had a chance to see him live? I have. So the first time I saw him live was 1984. So by this time I was living in London. I studied um, my, I did my undergraduate degree in London from 82 to 85. So in 1984, he was playing at Wembley Stadium. So I actually just looked up the date of that concert. It was July 7th, 1984. And I, I remember it uh, vividly. And the support act was um, Santana. Now I have to admit, I've never been a fan of Santana. So I, <laughs> I wasn't really too much attention to the support act. But when Dylan came on, you know, it was, uh, it was exciting. But what struck me, and of course, this is, this is a common theme in your show. I wasn't expecting him to change the lyrics of songs <laughs> that I knew. <laughs> I was listening to Tangled Up in Blue and I'm thinking, hang on, he's changing the lyrics here. What's going on? Uh, so that was a bit of a, a shock to me. I, uh, I suppose a bit of a disappointment, if I were honest, because I thought, oh, I want to hear it as it is on the record. I don't want to hear this different version that, you know, it's got different lyrics. So that was, um, yeah, July the 7th, 1984. So I was, I was 20 at the time at, at the old uh, Wembley Soccer Stadium, which the following year hosted Live Aid, for example, in July of 1985, which I was at. I was at Live Aid in, in wow. 1985. Yeah, I was one of the one of the people that did actually go to Live Aid, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. By the way, I should mention the set list for the show you just mentioned, the July 7th. It's an epic uh, set list. I yes, mean, it's oh, like yes. 30 I songs. I mean, good. I knew Lord. a lot of the songs. Yeah. Um, but, you, but he does do that night. So no, I'm going to read this. So this is Highway 61 Revisited, Joker Man, Along the Watchtower, Just Like a Woman, Maggie's Farm, I and I, License to Kill, Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, Tangled Up in Blue. It's all right, Ma. Simple twist of fate. Masters of War. I mean, good Lord, this is just one banger after the next. Battle yeah, of a Thin oh, yeah. Man. Then he did Enough is Enough, which means you're in the rare moment where you got to hear him do a song that was new that has never been mm-hmm. done since. That's That still has not been excavated for any bootleg series, uh, that song. That okay. song is, remains yeah. as kind of unknown. Not unknown. It's, her, it's in bootleg form, but it's a song that he you know wrote started doing live and then just uh, forgot about and it's never gone back to it. And then after that, every grain okay. of sand, like a rolling stone, Mr. Tambourine man, girl from the North country. It ain't me, babe. Leopard skin pillbox hat. It's all over now. Baby blue tombstone blues. Senor times are changing, blowing in the wind. I'm knocking on heaven's door. I mean, that was it like a three hour show or it's something. It's an incredible set list, isn't it? I mean, it's like a, almost a greatest hits up until that point. Yeah. I mean, I knew every song uh, virtually apart from the one that you just mentioned that, uh, you know, that he never recorded, but pretty much every song I, I I knew, and and I think on the whole he did stick to the lyrics of the of the versions on the studio albums. But I do distinctly remember with Tangled Up in Blue, he just right. entirely changed, and I couldn't even follow along because he was singing lyrics that were completely unfamiliar to me. But yeah, 
so that was my my first experience of 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 Dylan, and then um, I saw him again in June of. 1989 again at Wembley Stadium in in London. I was uh, still living in the UK at the time, so so was that five years later, almost almost to the month June uh, June eighth of 1989. Um, he was at uh, Wembley again, so I saw him there. Then I had a long gap of not seeing him at all, um, and then in 2011, so that's 12 years ago now. I saw him twice in 2011. Um, he was um, headlining a festival of Irish music. I have no idea what Bob Dylan's connection <laughs> to Irish, Irish music is, but uh, something called the London, and I probably am mispronouncing this because it's probably an Irish Gaelic word, F-E-I-S, London Feis or Face, uh, F-E-I-S. Um, this was in June of 2011 at Finsbury Park in London. So it was an outdoor uh, concert. And he was uh, headlining on the Saturday evening and finishing up that that day. I think it was a weekend festival. And he was fantastic that evening. I mean, of the times I've seen him, that's definitely the the best performers. He was just sublime. And then um, later the same year in October of 2011, he was playing in Cardiff, the, the capital of Wales, where I was living at the time, living and working at the time. So I went to see him there. And the support act for that concert was... Mark Knopfler. So I huh. thought they would do something together, given that Mark Knopfler was on Slow Train Come In playing on Precious Angel, but unfortunately they didn't perform together. Um, and uh, compared to the performance in Sin- Finsbury Park, where I thought you know Dylan was on rare form and at the Cardiff performance later the same year, he was, I felt, just going through the motions as he sometimes seems to do. Mm. So I've seen him four times, which is more than I've seen any other artist, and obviously mm. a lot less than Many of your, um, many of the people you interview have seen him, but uh, still, four times is is better than zero times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on the show. It's I don't think he's ever played anywhere in Africa, so I think no, that's like the one so. country he's never done. So uh, yeah, no. I mean, maybe someday we can, if enough people talk about, it, we'll finally start adding some dates to the Rough and Rowdy Ways tour. <laughs> we'll get him to. Not that, yes, not that uh, being any part of Africa is inconvenient to where you were in Botswana. Yeah, the only country that will attract international artists is South Africa. You do mm. find big artists will play in places like Johannesburg and Cape Town. And actually, I, just this weekend, I was in Johannesburg. I was given a talk on Friday at a university in, in Johannesburg. So it's about a six-hour drive from here. So certainly, if if he does uh, come to South Africa at any point in the next few years, I will I will make the effort to go and see him there. But yeah, I've, as far as I'm aware, he's never played in, in Africa. Do you know of any fellow Bob Dylan fans out there where you are? Well, it turns out that our head of department, my my boss, is a, is a big Bob Dylan fan, and I didn't know that until we got chatting about uh, about him. About uh, you know, I've been in, in this job ten months, and I think I'd been in the job a couple of months, and I mentioned Bob Dylan. He said, "Oh, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. He's he's from South Africa, from from Cape Town, but of uh, Scottish descent." And so, uh, yeah, you know, I know of at least one Bob Dylan fan. Uh, so yeah, that's Not fantastic. That's great. Man really does get everywhere with that music. So, um, so yeah, let, let's talk about "Baby Stop Crying." Street legal. I mean, and he's yet anyone knows uh, somebody pitches me a street legal song. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's 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 move it up in the schedule because I just love talking about uh, street legal. Suggesting yeah. this song too. <laughs> oh man, yeah. And so, why why did you want to talk about this one? 
Um, well, because it was the first Bob Dylan song, really, that I heard, uh, or at least to my knowledge that it was a Bob Dylan song. As I say, it was it was a hit, a minor, well, minor hit. It got to number 13 in the UK in the summer of 1978, so it was getting a lot of uh, radio play. And um, I just think it's a, it's a really good pop song in the sense that it's very catchy. But at the same time, there's some pretty good lyrics in it. I mean, there's some very memorable uh, lines in it. And I, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a great song. It's got a great sound and it's got great lyrics. It was, as you mentioned, it was it was released as a single and it got to number 13. I said in Europe and it was released as a single in America where it didn't do any business at all. It was B-sided mm. with New Pony, probably okay. the probably the least commercial cut on the entire record yes. is that yeah. song <laughs> that seems kind of a strange choice but yes. okay um yeah. no all right but yeah i've always loved this song i mean i love everything off the street eagle but i've always loved this one but i will say it is enti- almost entirely because of the vocal performance on the record yeah. uh he's played it a strong vocal performance yes yeah yes, he's he's played it 39 times live just over the course of 1978 basically when he was sort of touring off of the record not that he Pre uh, rough and ready ways, he doesn't really do that all that much, but he did it uh-huh. during you know the six months, the back half of 1978, and then never never did it again. He's left it oh, by the side okay. of the road, and I right. went and listened to some of the live ones, and they're okay. They're just okay. Yeah. He's kind of screaming through it a little. I mean, it's you know obviously he's trying to he's at an at, at a concert hall. He's trying to project a little, but to me. Oh, oh. What works about this song is the gentility of his vocal performance on the record. And so to me, it's like he nailed it on the record. And that's why I, I love it so much. I think it's yeah, just no, it, beautiful. It's a very combination. Good vocal. Yeah. I mean, his voice is great in this song. I, I totally agree. I mean, you've got you know, the it's one of the songs you play to someone. If you if people say, oh, Bob Dylan, he can't sing. This is one of the songs I think you would play to them saying, well, listen to this. Of course he can sing. One of the things I love about it is the contrast with the wailing backup singers you know you've got the queens of rhythm mm-hmm. you know screaming bah! you know they're, they're going full blast yeah. and then he's kind yeah. of pulled back a little you know he's he's mm. it's almost ta- i want to say he's not talk singing it's not that not that extreme but it is it sounds like a guy just sort of ruminating a little bit and i mean again they, i quoted the initial the initial verse with the you've been down with the bottom of the bad man babe but you're back where you belong go, go get me my pistol babe Honey, I can't tell right from wrong. So I love the setup up to this, that this woman yeah, has it's left. A, it's such a mental image, doesn't it? I mean, what, oh, a, what a fantastic lines. You know, you, you could almost go anywhere from those two opening lines. It's yeah, like, you've got this you know. incredibly cinematic opening of a guy who's this, this woman has left him and she's off with another yeah. guy. And our narrator mm-hmm. is like. Maybe I need to go kill this guy because he's not very good for you. And I, you know, I, I can't tell like, right am I from wrong. Kill myself. I mean, that's you know, he's again. Is okay. Is this guy going to kill himself, or is he going to go off and kill this rival, this rival lover? What's what's going to happen here? I mean, it's a it's a fantastic opening because it opens up all possibilities of what's going to what the song is going to develop into. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of the the kind of more recent songs he's been doing on like Tempest and Modern Times and and Rough and Rowdy Ways, where there's there's always some sort of violent element to it. You know, I mean, like mm-hmm. you got, you get something like soon after midnight, which is such a wonderfully sing songy romantic song. And then he talks about dragging somebody's corpse through the mud. So it's got that kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's this, you know, there's this wonderfully sweet message here, but it opens with a guy potentially committing a murder. Uh, it's, just, it's just, I can't tell right from wrong, which is 
Fantastic. And then you've got the, the, the backup singers just doing the frame, baby, please stop crying. And he says, you know, I know the sun will always shine. So baby, please stop crying. It's tearing up my mind. So you've got, again, this, this woman has left him and he knows she's unhappy and he can't deal with it. He can't yeah. bear with it. And I've always taken it. One of the reasons I love the song is that to me, there is a level of kind of friendship here between the man and the woman, our narrator and the woman that I really yes. like. And I don't feel you hear a lot in songs, but it's, I don't know how much the narrator cares that the woman will get back with him. He just can't bear how unhappy this person is with this new guy. And there's, that's an angle that I think he hasn't really trod a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I really love it. Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you that it seems that there's a friendship that's underlying whatever relationship they have. It's, it's based on a, on a friendship. And that, that definitely comes across in the, in the song that he cares about her. Yeah. I mean, again, he, in the next verse, he says, go down to the river, babe. Honey, I will meet you there. Go down to the river, babe. Honey, I will pay your fare, mm, which, right. you know, brings right. conjures forth the image of Sharon, you know, the ferryman of Hades kind of, you know, where it's like this, this, this woman, might not survive the relationship yeah. with this new person, but he is even saying that's how much I care for you that I'll kind of be your the ferryman for you in case you don't make it again. It's incredibly heavy stuff, <laughs> you know, yeah. for this opening of this song. Yep, yep. So, um, by the way, I should mention, um, I did, you know, I do look it up a little, and I, I am very bad about knowing what older songs Bob is borrowing from that just my brain just doesn't have it work that way and i did look up they said that there's a robert johnson song called stop breaking down which well, okay. has this very similar refrain which is about crying stop breaking so i mean yeah. musically it doesn't sound anything like it but in terms yeah. of lyrically you can sort of say like okay i can see where he would get get that from this and then well, again you know as, as, as i guess we've discovered in the last 20 years if we didn't know it before i mean dylan is steeped in musical history so it doesn't surprise me that there's a reference to something from uh you know from what the 1920s isn't that when uh yeah Johnson yep. was... yeah i mean he knows this stuff just chapter and verse so he just has oh, yeah. it in has yeah. it in his head um yeah, yeah. And, and so for a song you know dylan isn't known for writing you know lots of hit singles you know that's not oh, generally yeah. been his thing this is a song that has a lot of choruses. Generally, a lot of his songs don't have choruses at all. Uh, but you can see maybe this was why it, at least in Europe, it, it was a little bit of a hit single in that the refrain, the baby, please stop crying, is pretty dominant in the song. We hear it a lot throughout the, the verses. Um, and then yeah, the next yeah. the, the next verse is really, just, I think it's so beautiful again, because he's almost whispering it, where he says, if you're looking for assistance, babe, or if you just want some company, or if you just want a friend you can talk to, honey, come and see about me. I mean, I just, I, I yeah, love that so much. Yeah. So even if he's been hurt by her, which I, can, I think we can assume that uh, he has been because she's left him for someone else. All he wants is to help her out. He's willing to be, uh, you know, the ex-boyfriend who becomes a, a, a friend and a support to her. And it's, it's a very beautiful sentiment. Yeah, I said it's, it, and again, it's that contrast between the backup singers that are at, at 11 and then mm-hmm. he's kind of just singing and like the music sl- quiets down. Like the whole thing just kind of yeah. lowers a little. And he just, if you just want a friend, if you just want a friend, you can talk to, I I'm a sucker for songs about friendship. I feel like that's not mm-hmm. something that's often a topic for songs. You know, it's always almost love or hate. 
mm. but not a lot of friendship songs, you know, and that's why I, I always find it when it's it's I mentioned that in the episode we did a while ago about two Ramona, where I feel like that's uh-huh. a similar tone where the guy is talking to Ramona more as a friend than necessarily a, a lover. Um, but he said, I just absolutely love just the way that the, it brings it down a little. So then he goes back to another chorus and the sun will always shine. And then the penultimate verse is you've been hurt so many times. And I know what you're thinking of. Well, I don't, well, I don't have to be no doctor, babe, to see that you're madly in love. Now, what do you think is going point. on here? What do you think is, is, is he, who do you think the, who is he referring to? Is she say, is he saying, I know you're madly in love with you. You're secretly in mad, love with me. Or is it? You're madly in love with this guy who is not treating you very well. I've always interpreted it as as, as the latter, that uh, the, the woman is madly in love with this other guy, that Dylan doesn't feel that the other guy is treating her very well, but he's there to support her and uh, and give her the emotional support that she that he feels that she, she needs. So, yes, uh, madly in love with this other guy is my uh, interpretation, even though this other guy is possibly not treating her very nicely. And then, right. And then, so, and then it ends with the chorus once again. And so it, it, it's unresolved. It doesn't, yeah. the song does not resolve anything. We don't, there is no resolution to this conundrum at all. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's just expressing this to this person. And we don't know whether this person is going to leave the relationship, but it's just, he just can't deal with it. And that's kind of how it ends. And so it's, it's such, just a wonderfully gentle vocal, but kind of such grim lyrics to it and you know i think part of it is that tension is truly which why it works so well and again just i i love i love its placement in the record it's kind of like right in the middle of the album and yeah. again there's all these other songs where he's new pony he's kind of like wailing on that a little but this is just so quiet and gentle i just love it mm-hmm. yeah no I, I i mean i don't think there's a for me there isn't a weak song on street legal i you know when i listen to it there's not one track that i think oh i'll skip that one i i, I like mm-hmm. every Song on the album, but this certainly poss- possibly because it was uh, the first song of his that I remember. But also, I just think it is one of the strongest songs on the album. And, it, and his his sentiment his sentiment seems very pure in this song, as you say, driven by what appears to be friendship and just wanting to help uh, a woman out through a, a, a difficult emotional situation. His his his, his motives seem very pure. I feel like the the guy who wrote this. And again, I don't mean necessarily Bob Dylan exactly, but the, 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 the spirit of this song, the spirit that, 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 that pushed Bob to write this song is similar to the one that got him to write, we better talk this over, which we, again, we just talked about not that long ago, where I love that song too for its gentleness. I mean, he's talking about a breakup, but it's, yeah. it's more gentle than say, where are you tonight? Where the guy is just, you know, screaming at the heavens for yeah. how bad yeah. his life is. But this song, I think, matches quite well with We Better Talk This Over, that there's a, there's there's just a gentility. And that, you know, you have to think when he wrote these songs, which I think supposedly he wrote them on his farm up in Minnesota, that, you know, he gets the inspiration and he jots these things down. And then the next day, he might not be feeling that anymore. You know, that that nice feeling is passed. And then he's mad again. And he goes back and he writes something a little more acidic. But the fact that he can... And we all know that there's a history of him where, you know, there will be some great song that Dylan fans love and he drops it. You know, he Caribbean Wind or something or Blind Willie McTell where he has said, I felt like I lost the thread of it. So I gave up on it. And for the rest of us, we're mm-hmm. gnashing our teeth because we're like, ah, how could you, you know, how could you do that? But here yeah. 
he's toggling back and forth in these wild swings of emotion, but he's able to retain the spirit of it. And again, especially in the vocal, he really brings it here for this song. And it's kind of curious to me as to what it is about your, what about European listeners in 78 that heard this Mm -hmm. and made it a hit. And then in America, it just went nowhere. Yeah, that, that is an interesting question. Why, why, you know, why? Because for me, it's a very catchy tune, and uh, uh, you know, I, I guess by 1978, I I was kind of aware of the of the music that was um, making it into the UK charts for a period of about four years. By that time, I, I first started listening to um, uh, to BBC Radio One when I was about ten years old. So I had a by by 1978, I had a like a four year history of knowing what songs were in the charts, and certainly it was the first dylan song that i ever uh, heard in the charts and of course i at the time thought oh okay well you know he does have hits there's going to be more to come and i don't think he had another uk hit because i th- i actually thought precious angel had been released as a as a single but when i was looking it up it, it apparently wasn't in, in mm. i don't know if it was released anywhere as a single but certainly it wasn't in the uk so i must have bought slow train coming just because it was the next dylan album and by then i i basically decided i was just going to buy his albums as the, as they came out so um but i think the next uk hit he had was um joker man which was mm. 1983 yeah five years later yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's five years later so so that was a, a quite a quite a quite a wait but um you know, obviously, I wasn't I wasn't buying Dylan music because uh, because they were going to be uh, chart toppers. Um, you know, once <laughs> I started getting into his music, I was I was under his uh, his spell of uh, amazing lyrics. I, I've always put quite an emphasis on on lyrics in songs, and uh, you know, when I discovered the poetry of his lyrics, I was I was smitten. You know, this um, there's the uh, the 1994 collection Greatest Hits Volume Three, and right. obviously there is some level of some of them song, yeah. You know, some of the songs in there, yeah, you know, "Tangled Up in Blue" or or uh, "Knocking on Heaven's Door." You know, those are genuine hits. But obviously, whoever compiled that collection was playing a certain amount of, I don't know, it's not maybe not favoritism, but was certainly putting their thumb on the scale for some songs they preferred over others because uh, "Changing right. of the Guards" was released as a single after this. It didn't do any business at all, okay. and that song is on Greatest Hits Volume Three. And you're like, look, I love that uh-huh. song. I think it's a masterpiece, but it was not a hit in any form. Oh, no, you no. could make the argument no, that Baby Stop Crying belonged more on Criticism Volume 3 yeah. than yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was more of a hit. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I've got that album. And you're right. You, you think, well, you know, hang on, this song wasn't wasn't a hit at all. Uh, Changing of the Gods. But yeah, as you say, whoever put that compilation together, whether it was CBS or whoever, probably had their reasons for choosing certain songs. I feel like they probably went to Bob and they were like, all right, we're going to pull from each album. What do you want to do? You know, Bob, oh, okay. Like, uh, ring them bells. All right. That, that wasn't a hit, but okay. Well, <laughs> you know, it's Bob says we'll do ring them bells. And okay. That's fine. We are, uh, we've talked about on the show a million times. There is no bootleg series or the street legal sessions yet. And we know that there are some complications yeah. of that because of how it was recorded that Bob insisted on recording everything live in the studio at the same time and it required you know it, that was a technological lift that back then was a lot harder to achieve and so apparently you had multiple you know you've had something like 15 musicians playing all at the same time and you don't have enough inputs apparently for all that so you've you're you're recording several instruments in one channel and it's bleeding into things and it's apparently it's quite the morass which is why one of the reasons that 
it hasn't been cleaned up because I guess in some corners I've heard people say it can't be cleaned up. There's just no way to do it. That said, there must be alternate takes of this song. There must be alternate takes of all the street legal songs. And damn it, I want to hear them. Yes, I would too. Yes, definitely. I mean, I do enjoy the the, the bootleg series, so uh, I would I would certainly want to hear a bootleg series of this album. Yeah, I would kill to hear alternate an alternate take of this. Like, if the, was this the approach from the beginning? Are there was there another? I mean, we know that Bob tends to change things up heavily. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to hear. Is there like an up tempo version of this? Is there a slower one? Is there an acoustic one? Something just. I love these songs so much. I think lyrically they're so beautiful and i think he brings a lot of heart to them not that he doesn't for all of his work but this one really mm-hmm. lands and it's just i would the idea that there could be alternate takes of you know more blood more tracks you know we've, we've got you know 15 yes. versions of idiot wind or something i would kill for two or three mm-hmm. baby stop crying that would be so cool to hear right and, and the the song after this on the album is your love in vain i mean i think lyrically it's one of his most tender beautiful songs but i do find the um, the performance on the album, a little bit of a, a dirge. I would love to hear some alternative versions of of, of that song. Um, even, yeah, lyrically, I love the song, but I don't like his performance of the song on the album. Is your love in vain? Mm. Now, what what is it about that? Just uh, just the way he sings I, I it. Just find, yeah, I, 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 it's more the the musical rhythm of it. I find it's a, it's a little bit of a dirge. I would I, I think if he performed it more, uh, possibly as like just an, an acoustic uh, performance, maybe. Because, uh, because in a way, it reminds me a little bit of um, if you see her say hello from Blood on the Tracks, and I've heard alternative takes of that, and certainly I feel the version on Blood on the Tracks is the strongest version of um, uh, if you see her say hello that I've that I've heard. And I, I think if he had done more of an acoustic version of Is Your Love in Vain, I probably would have preferred it to the to the version that's on the album. So you know, maybe there are alternative versions out there that we'll get to hear one day. Oh, God, I hope so. Like I said, I listened to a couple of the live ones, and they're not bad. And he actually changes. The rhythm of the song has changed a little. Uh, we've got the backup singers wailing behind it. But it, it they do sound markedly different. But it's just, I think, by the sheer notion that he's just in a live setting, he's kind of belting it out. And to me, yeah. that robs it of the tenderness that mm-hmm. we hear in, in this version. And so it's, yeah, to me, I'm like, he he got it. I'd love to hear alts. But he got it on this one, and he really, really nailed it. So it's just an absolutely, um, absolutely terrific song. So, okay, uh, Rodri, as we're as we're wrapping up here, um, I've been asking people different exit questions, but this is the first time you've been on the show, so I'm going to go back to the one we've been talking about for a little while, which is if there was any session, any Bob Dylan recording session of anything that he's ever done that you could sit in on, uh, what do you think that would be? Um. I think, given that it is my favorite Dylan album, I'd have to say Blood on the Tracks. I, I mean, that the album is just an amazing album. And uh, I think I would like to have sat in on some of the recording sessions of Blood on the Tracks. It would be pretty amazing. You know, you'd have to keep quiet because you'd be afraid of like ru- ruining that delicate. You know what? We never really figured out in this question. Are you even really there? Or are you like a phantom? We haven't really worked out the schematics of what that even means if you go back a time like you know just like oh, I'm, I'm hearing all that i can't interact with bob i can't ruin anything you know uh it's a chaos theory or whatever i'm not gonna you know hey this guy accidentally distracted bob when he was trying to work on tangled up in blue and then that song doesn't exist now you know you don't want that you don't want to have that kind of course of history. Yeah. Course of history that would never be too much responsibility yeah <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that so 
Uh, well, well, Roger, thank you for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. I mean, again, it's, I just thought it was so amazing to be able to talk to someone, uh, from your line of work and from the other side of the world. And again, I, you know, I love talking about street legal songs. So thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you very much. So why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Okay. So actually the only real presence I have on the internet apart from, I guess I, so I work at the Botswana International University of Science and Technology, which is B-I-U-S-T. That's the acronym for the university. So I guess I do exist on a web page at the university website, uh, uh, www.biust.ac.bw. But wow. I, um, I do have a, uh, uh, a, a, a blog site which is called the curious astronomer all one word the curious astronomer dot wordpress dot com and i started writing that blog in about 2010 i think and, and through to about 2017 i was probably posting four or five times a week and on a fairly regular basis i used to post about bob dylan and discuss some of my favorite songs of bob dylan so it's it's not all about astronomy or about physics uh there's a probably uh, several uh, dozen posts about uh, Bob Dylan on that blog. So the curiousastronomer.wordpress.com. That's my my blog post. All right. So okay, I just thought of one more thing I want to throw at you, and I apologize because okay. I didn't I didn't plan this on. I just thought of it in the moment. But another exit question I think specific to you is: we all know that like there are those records that have been put at, sent out into space, uh-huh. right? For yeah. in case aliens ever run into them and they put certain mm-hmm. certain music. Yes. So on the voyage. Space probes, yeah. Right, on the spaceship. So let's say <laughs> they come to you and they say, one Bob Dylan song is going to be sent into space. One. Just yeah. as it, you know, so aliens can understand what's going on on planet Earth. What is what we consider, you know, we already know what the what the meaning of it is. What what song do you think would be a good song to send in outer space for the aliens oh, to enjoy? What a question. So... Uh... <laughs> Mind is jumping back and forth between, you know, one one of his songs about uh, love, such as um, "Just Like a Woman," so one of one of those songs to give people uh, an aliens an idea of, you know, the 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 pain and the joy of of, of love. So one of his uh, maybe one of his love songs, like "Just Like a Woman." Or uh, something like that. Or you could go to, um, you know, one of his classics like Blowing in the Wind or uh, Hard Rain. I, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I guess it depends whether you want to give them, uh, you know, teach them a little bit about human love or about uh, uh, things like whatever Hard Rain is discussing a post apocalyptic <laughs> vision of the world. <laughs> okay like i said i apologize for throwing you this curveball so late in the show, but i literally oh, just thought of the question so question. it's an intriguing thought right because you're like well what what are we I trying to put across love, these aliens which, uh, yeah i remember when the adele version of make you feel my love came out and uh, you know it was a pretty big hit in the uk and i was saying to people this is a bob dylan song and they were like what i said this is not an adele original it's a bob dylan song and uh, I, you know, people who are not Bob Dylan fans, when you play them the Bob Dylan version and you say, look, this is a, you know, 50, 54, 55 year old man singing this song. And for me, it's, it, it has so much more meaning than uh, Adele when she was 19 singing that mm. song. Cause you know, what does Adele know about love at the age of, of, of 19? Where you've got a 55 year old man talking about the, uh, the kind of emotions that are expressed in, in that song. And it's, for me, it's, it's, it's far more meaningful. So yeah, maybe a song like that. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you for coming up with an answer uh, off the cuff like that. I really do appreciate it. 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> to, to appreciate it. So, uh, well, again, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Roger. It's great to talk to you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Of course, you can find all the back episodes of the show on our website, which is fmpods.com. If you haven't subscribed to the Pod Dylan Premium Show, I implore you to do so. You get bonus content. You'll help keeping the show going on forever and ever as we head to send off episodes of this into space. So, and of course, you can find the show uh, and over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. And while the flash of our beginning has not yet traveled the light years into distance, has not yet been seen by planets deep within the other galaxies, we will disappear into the blackness of the space from which we came, 